Welcome to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast hosted by me, Bianca Foley. And me, Charlotte Williams. In this podcast, we explore our efforts to making changes to our lifestyle as influencers, to live a more eco-conscious lifestyle, and hope that we can encourage you to make one small change. This isn't just a podcast for influencers. We want this to be a community of people who are trying to do their bit, where we can learn from one another and share our tips. So join in the conversation over on our Instagram, at Sustainably Influenced. Today we're talking all about natural hair and skin brand Faith in Nature with Head of Marketing Hannah Whitaker. Faith in Nature was founded in 1974 in New York on the belief that natural ethical products should be available to everyone. In a time when no one was really talking about green skincare, they believe in harnessing the powers of nature but not harming the planet in the process and in using naturally derived cruelty-free vegan ingredients to create a beautiful range of products. So hello Hannah, tell us all about yourself and a little bit of an introduction to Faith in Nature and its 46 year history. Oh hello, well I, mean, I don't know how much I can cover in, um, in half an hour but uh, <laughs> thank you for having me, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Um, so yeah, uh, my name's Hannah Whitaker, I'm the Head of Marketing in Faith in Nature. Um, I, I have over a decade of experience working in um, various kind of beauty brands it's always been beauty um, and I've worked in companies like L'Oreal, Unilever, um, you name it um, and I, I've been with Faith in Nature for just over well just actually just under a year um, and really kind of joined uh, at a time when the brand was just starting to gain a little bit more uh, relevance and distribution um i suppose and it was becoming a bit more seen which is is really really nice um and yeah i I really joined faith in nature because i'd been through various different um businesses worked on really really big global brands and actually just wanted to move to a company and a business that i felt was more aligned with my own personal values um and faith in nature just absolutely tick the box. Um, you know, it's a, as you said before, it's a natural, um, ethical, you know, vegan, cruelty-free uh, health and beauty brand. And we manufacture in, in Britain uh, a variety of really gorgeous body washes and shampoos and conditioners. Um, and really just kind of are pioneers of, of that, um, that natural uh, proposition um, really since the 70s as you say so yeah here we are we're kind of at the start of a journey and, and, and kind of we're, we're the kind of oldest startup um, that you could imagine really. Oh well that's incredible um, so the brand's built on incredible ethical foundations how have you managed to effectively put the environment first long before being ethical was in style? That's actually a really good question. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a, a challenge, I think, for all brands to uh, strike that balance and do it well. So th- that landscape of, of combining, you know, aesthetics and aspiration with something which is also sustainable, affordable um, and natural and ethical is actually a really big challenge. Um, and the industry itself, as wider global beauty industry, um, massively struggles, I think, to, to really get it right all the time, especially in an age where everything's online and you're very kind of transparent and exposed um, you know, to, to every, every kind of consumer's critical eye, which is absolutely mm-hmm. right. 
Yeah. Um, so there's been a few factors kind of influencing that over the years. And I think at a time when, when I used to work at L'Oreal, for example, that was only in recent history, but um, you know, it, it was not really at the forefront of design or of brand proposition, even though it was coming into it, it was really being led by consumers just wanting to have that combination and, and use that combination of natural and premium beauty. And I think that's been something which has really evolved massively over the past few years. Um, at one time, you know, that you couldn't have both. And I think that now um, the, the kind of aspirational side of natural has completely um, dominated the market really. And I think it's changed the way that consumers actually appreciate natural beauty uh, and natural can be aspirational. Um, so I think the first thing that happened with Faith in Nature was that consumer shift actually embarrassingly driven by consumers rather than by the wider industry. Mm -hmm. um, but really people wanting and expecting more from their beauty products and therefore, you know, they might not mind compromising a little bit on the packaging or how it looks in the bathroom um, to have that, that natural proposition and, and have a good product that's, that's ethical. And so Faith in Nature really was in a good place um, at a good time because we were already doing all of that um, as a brand. And, and therefore, it was very easy for us to be in that position because we weren't having to make those really, really tough choices. I think the really tough choices for us come on cost because we are, you know, we're natural, ethical and accessible. We're an affordable brand. We're not at all about being organic, premium, out of reach. And I think that, you know, we're, our proposition of bringing natural products to everybody and making them accessible um, can sometimes be challenging when you're faced with some packaging choices um, yeah. which are perhaps really green and amazing and exciting and, and really at the forefront of that technology, but they're completely unaffordable and they would make our products completely unaffordable for our consumers, which is not what we're about at all. So I think that there is one challenge for us, which is how do you do all three? How do you do natural, ethical, because they're very different things actually, and how do you do uh, accessible? That's, that's our kind of triangle um, that we have to hit when we're making any kind of packaging choices or media choices actually, kind of going into that as well. Um, but at the same time, um, we are in a good place. So it doesn't feel that difficult for us because our customers and our audience are more prepared to accept that our packaging is not going to look particularly great, potentially sometimes in the bathroom. Although obviously we make every effort to make it great. Um, our packaging design is, is beautiful, but in terms of bottle choices, cap choices, that kind of stuff, um, it often comes second in line to the more kind of, um, natural ethical choices that we have to make oh my god that's so interesting it's really interesting it's really, really interesting <laughs> it's, it's a really fascinating part of the industry yeah that whole natural ethical accessible triangles for us i think is really interesting because the podcast is based on kind of helping people understand what sustainability is and um kind of what what it isn't and mm. there's lots of words that get thrown around and i think a lot of people think that everything is everything um, yeah. so we're trying to help the and ourselves the world and ourselves understand the difference between a natural product you know natural product can be natural but unethical and yeah. Yeah, 
everything is accessible and that's something we really really um talk about when it comes to sustainability and um ethical beauty and you know anything that falls into this category it's not yeah. accessible for the consumer no and actually i think one of the real communication challenges we have often is that we want to be totally transparent and we can be because we we are doing the absolute best we can within an industry which is still catching up with what consumers Definitely. are asking them for and i think that um that sometimes means that there are very nuanced and complex debates um there are very kind of new nuanced questions that consumers are asking and they don't sometimes realize that they are so complex and there isn't really a straightforward answer that you can kind of soundbite in you know a hundred words or on twitter or whatever yeah um, is it's um you want to engage as a brand absolutely on sustainability and ethics and nature and the, the wider kind of environmental and ecological questions. But it is a bit scary because you know that once you start having that conversation, you are never going to satisfy everybody in that conversation. Um, so it, it's a very, very different landscape for brands that are, are in the natural space um, these days. Wow. It's really, um, it's a really interesting conversation to have. As Charlotte said, it's that idea of accessibility, and brands mm. need to be doing that. Really, um, I was going to talk about <laughs> when I was kind of researching the brand a bit. Um, I came across a really interesting partnership that you have. Um, yeah, and it's with Forest Green Rovers, and if I'm not mistaken, they are a football club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was to myself, I was like, is this a club that they're partnered with um, tell us a little bit more about that and why faith in nature decided to partner with a football team please sure yeah it's a it is a really interesting partnership um so forest green rovers for those who don't know and a lot of people don't um they're a very uh, old uh, english club um, i think they've been around since the mid 1800s um but a bit like faith in nature i mean we haven't been around since then but um you know, in, in, in kind of uh, recent years, they've really found a new meaning um, and, and been incredibly brave in some of the choices that they've made under the leadership and ownership of uh, Dale Vince. Um, so Dale Vince is, you know, a very inspirational guy. He's the owner of Ecotricity. Um, he is a UN ambassador. Lots of very interesting things that he does and, and, and a, an amazing leader. And actually... He uh, has some very strong ethics. He bought the club and, and basically uh, changed it totally um, to represent something which is really meaningful and, and much more aligned with his own personal values. Mm. Um, they are actually the first football club to be certified carbon neutral. They're completely vegan. They're powered only by solar and wind power. Um, I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And actually, it's not something that you kind of appreciate until you actually visit the ground. So I encourage anybody to go and make that trip. Um, we, um, we actually partnered with them, I think it was around 18 months ago in the first instance, um, and hadn't started having those conversations around, you know, it's interesting what they were doing. Um, and we found the partnership to be really meaningful on kind of lateral lines about, you know, lifestyle, vegan, cruelty-free, doing things differently, um, kind of combining tradition with, you know, something which is very new and exciting and dynamic. And um, we started partnering with them in the sense of, uh, we drew up an agreement, we sponsor Forest Green Rovers with marketing collateral, 
Um, and we also, uh, we made an exclusive variant called the New Lawn variant. And actually the, the product itself is, is completely made from um, the grass cuttings, the vegan grass cuttings of the ground. So it's kind of taken- Oh my God. Oh, yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of, it, it really smells of grass, like in a really nice way. Um, so it kind of, uh, you know, that, that partnership came about. We're still in partnership with them now, very much supportive of what they're doing. And they have some amazing plans. So um, they have a completely new um, ground being uh, built, um, which is just an amazing feat of architectural engineering. It's completely made of wood. Um, and, and, and it, I think what we found really interesting, and, and especially when I went down actually to, to meet with them um, for the first time, was that it's a bit like beauty in the sense that people have, people are so used to having these kind of staid conversations about, you know, um, it claims and benefits and ingredients. And that's all really interesting. And that's really great. And that's what powers the industry. And like in football, where, you know, it's, it's all about buying, competing, buying players, um, you know, it's very much about that kind of um, almost like a trade talk that comes with with football. And what was really, really interesting was that when you actually got to the ground, the passion wasn't really being found there. It was being found very much on different lines. There were families there. It was very family focused. People were talking about how amazing the food was because it was so really, really beautiful food, all vegan and um, very much more about the lifestyle. And so people just having different conversations about football, still loving the game, but it was very much more balanced. So it was inviting in conversations, you know, from women or children or, you know, um, people who just had alternative interests. So it, it's, it, it was a partnership which was not natural in the sense that, you know, beauty and football, how does that go together? Apart from obviously mm -hmm. making a variant for them and they, they use it um, and sell it in their shops. Um, but also it's kind of, it was all about those different conversations that we could all be having about, you know, um, very conventional industries. Why can't we be having these conversations? Why can't we be thinking more ambitiously about, um, you know, our, about those industries? And that's really how I felt about beauty as well when I joined Faith in Nature. Oh, that's so cool. It's really <laughs> cool because it's, as you said, why can't other industries, why does, why does kind of like an ethical lifestyle or, being more ethical have to be siloed into fashion and beauty. Why can't a football yeah. club be talking Absolutely. about it? Yeah, it and that's about the lifestyle. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, the, the wider kind of green movement, the conversations that people are now having, they need to become more mainstream and they need to operate off different platforms, cultural platforms, artistic platforms, you know, um, consumer products. But it needs to happen as a global, you know, movement, really, rather than just isolated to various industries. Something that is starting to pop up more in mainstream industries is um, refillable products. Yeah. And they're becoming really more widely available. You're seeing loads of even slightly more mainstream brands doing it now, like more traditional, non-ethical brands are starting to do refillable eco packaging. Yeah. Um, you guys have offered recyclable um, five litre refills for the majority yeah. of your products for some time. I actually have one of them myself. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that more brands need to go down this route to reduce plastic waste and just waste in general? 
I mean, I think definitely. I know it is, it is a struggle in the sense that there are not many options out there. So our biggest, biggest challenge is plastic. Um, you know, the, the reason why it's a challenge is because um, there aren't many materials out there that, like I said before, this kind of triangle of natural, ethical and accessible, there are not many materials out there that can house and protect a liquid product um, and still tick those boxes, still, tick, still make your products um, those three things. Um, and it, it is challenging and I'm not, I'm not saying for any minute because I've gone through it all, but it's not a challenge. But there are different ways for sure. I mean, especially for a brand like Faith in Nature, we can reduce waste in other ways. So what we try and do is yes, we're still in plastic and it's a pain, we know, um, but we are in 100% recycled. So PCR, post-consumer recycled plastic. Um, I actually don't know any other brand that's doing that in terms of across our whole range, including our right. cat. Um, we, uh, we make every effort to make other parts of our range that don't need to be in plastic out of plastic. So solid bars, for example, if you take a brand that mostly bar format, like solid shampoos or, or bar yeah. soap, you don't need that to be in plastic. You could, that can be in, in paper. Um, and then, you know, yes, absolutely. With the refills and the, the five liters, that's what it's all about. So it's actually about um, generating more usage out of one container so one plastic container and obviously refills just means that you don't need to buy as many bottles so you know for the future for faith in nature we're definitely going to be looking more at that area of the business refills and bulk format i mean you could argue that you know you, you want to do it as big as possible um this this plastic bottle so that you know uh, an independent shop can have as many refill uses out of it as possible um, so that's really our area of innovation is really in that space. It's in, in you know, zero waste. It's making sure that all of our, our packaging at least is from consumer, post-consumer recycled plastic, never virgin plastic. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are steps that brands can do to, to make an impact in some way or another. I mean, when I look back at kind of recent um, history and what choices you know, um, brand managers or marketing directors or whatever we're trying to make on packaging. I just remember these huge double walled plastic tubs that were, yes, were amazingly premium, very heavy and very, and very gorgeous. And they would sit in your bathroom shelves and they would yeah. look <laughs> and, you know, you'd have like silver foil on there and they would just be like gorgeous. And, and yeah, the product was 250 quid per tub. So, you know, it, it was trying to fulfill that aspirational element of that particular brand. But when you look at it now, actually what's sustainable is now luxury. So I, I think that, you know, there are more choices for brands out there that want to make more efforts to be more sustainable. Um, so don't, don't choose a double walled, thick plastic mm. product that uses tons of virgin plastic in its production. Um, you know, you don't need it. Actually, consumers now are not wanting it. Um, I'm not going to name the brand, but I remember a few years ago, you know, buying into a very, very well-respected luxury home fragrance brand. And I started to feel a little bit disgusted at the amount of packaging. And I know that's something that a lot of people have felt, especially more recently. 
Um, but yeah, the, I think what was a choice between, you know, well, I'm this consumer, I just want luxury, I want loads of packaging. I, yeah. found, I think those consumers are actually lessening in number by a considerable degree now. And I think the other kind of group of consumers who don't want that is growing. Um, Definitely. There has been a big shift in how consumers, how consumers shop now and what they want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, and you can see it online, all the social listening that we do, all the conversation that's happening online. You know, any brands that, you know, five years ago I would have really respected, you're kind of thinking, what are you doing? You know, you don't have to do that. Um, yeah. You really don't have to do it. And no one needs to call anybody out, but I think you really should start, if you're in tune with that audience, you should really start being just a little bit more uncomfortable about making those choices. And that's a start. Yeah, totally agree. And I think for us, that's, this is kind of where the podcast came from because we did start asking questions. And I think yeah. a lot of consumers are asking questions right now. Um, yeah. And not so much calling out brands, but just going to the brands and finding out information that they need be that you know on twitter or an email so yeah yeah, it is the time where they are starting to feel more uncomfortable because they don't necessarily have the answers that we want um at the moment i just wanted to make a point that um i think brands you know you have to accept that you, you you don't have the answers um and that's a very scary thing to do because obviously you know marketing traditional marketing and the way that beauty marketing has evolved is is all about you know the kind of fascia and um you know you 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 naturally feel a bit cringe about having to be very open and honest Mm. but the the world now demands it of of brands in beauty now um you know the consumers are demanding it and um and rightfully so you know and i think that the more the question is asked then the more brands will get supported by the wider chemicals and um, materials industry to come up with better solutions i was just going to say one point off of what you were saying earlier about plastic and how unfortunately you still have to have something in plastic but we've heard this time and time again there's been a number of our guests that have said it about their their packaging haven't they charlotte where they've said that they want to find an alternative that doesn't Mm. the earth and still makes the product accessible and recyclable Mm. and ethical and all these things so it all does just ties in and it just the more i'm hearing it the more it's kind of something's going off in my brain where i think to myself why isn't this more widely more widely available Mm, yeah for sure yeah i mean it's um I mean, I went to a, um, the global conference uh, last year on sustainability for cosmetics. Mm-hmm. And there you get the, the you know, leaders of the industry, leaders of the science and chemicals industries. And, and I kind of went thinking, maybe there'll be a revelation here. And maybe I'll walk away tomorrow, um, you know, with, with kind of more positivity. But I think going there it really ver- it verified to me that there isn't a solution um, yet. There, there are things like plant plastics, for example. Mm. So it's plant plastic. Um, yeah. It's plastic which is generated from non-fossil fuels. It's plants and sugar cane, etc. Um, but again, it's plastic. So there is a, you know, there's a degradability problem um, there. And, and, and that's the problem. It's, it's that for a liquid product to keep it, you know, from being contaminated, 
um, to keep it robust for travel and that kind of thing. You know, there isn't really a solution yet. That that, and I don't think you know there's, there's more, less affordable, potentially less affordable options which are better, but they're still less affordable as we said before. So it, it you know for people who wouldn't spend you know 50 quid on a, a body lotion for this you know in this particular packaging it you know it isn't accessible and that's not right actually there's something that's not right about that this isn't just about naturality and, and the environment it's about creating products that everybody can enjoy and access um, yeah. and 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 i think that that is actually the more interesting conversation and that's the one that's potentially not being had as much as the green conversation so companies went all for green you know there's a lot of green conversations going on which are good ethical conversations about you know oil sourcing that kind of stuff but the conversation that's not being had yet and i don't know whether it's just because it's a bit taboo is about it's about affordability it's about mass availability of materials and you know there's something not being said there but that's not that's not available just yet yeah oh gosh that's it it's a conversation we keep having and it's one that's confusing because why is it not available yet but you know yeah that's a different conversation in itself um so something I wanted to ask actually was about how you're dealing at the moment with COVID-19 because I imagine you're quite busy because you're selling yeah. soaps and hand washes absolutely yeah <laughs> um yeah it's a really good question um so you know, obviously it's been, a, it's been a very, very challenging time for the business, even though we have been selling, you know, a lot of hand wash and soaps and that's fantastic. And that enables us to access, you know, more people and to be more visible. And that's fantastic for the brand itself, but it has been a challenging time. Um, you know, we've never been faced with this kind of um, situation before. How do you do it ethically? which is the number one important thing for us. How do you do it? How do you create products and sell products ethically in this time? Um, so what we had to do and what we knew we had to do from the very beginning, and it's under the leadership of our CEO, Joy Parkinson. Um, but we had a very small management team meeting kind of every day um, and just going through all the different, the different things that we could possibly do to protect people working in the um in the manufacturing side of the business the office side of the business wasn't so difficult because that you know obviously we we could send people home to work from home and people could be distanced manufacturing it's a little bit more tricky um so joy's number one point was look if we can't do it ethically if we can't protect people we'll close it doesn't matter how much money we could make over this period selling hand washes and hand soaps but frankly you know it's not worth it at all for people mm -hmm. to be input in, uh, under any kind of difficult situations or at risk for their health um, so uh, we, we took a number of different measures um, we immediately started temperature checking I think before way before um, you know the lockdown and all of that but we started temperature checking everybody daily it was twice a day um, to see if they developed any symptoms obviously if people did develop any symptoms you know uh, temperature or a persistent cough they would go home we also, um, we briefed everybody on social distancing. We gave everybody extra hand sanitizer, hand wash. We drew out on the floor appropriate distances for people to, to maintain while they're working on the lines. And we put up perspex screens where we could um, to actually separate areas off um, from each other. 
Um, and we, we made some tough choices in terms of kind of shift pattern changes um, to make sure that there were, there were not too many people on one shift um, and that people were still protected. And PPE, obviously that was a number one um, requirement. Mm. So we did everything we possibly could and more, I would, I would imagine, actually, than a lot of other businesses in trying to protect people. Um, and we, we have a good relationship with local government um, that guided us through a lot of the questions that we were asking. It was a very scary time and it still is a scary time. Um, you know, it's become a bit, I don't know how you guys feel, but it's become a little bit more normal yeah. um, in terms of your everyday working life. But it's still such a, a kind of difficult and harrowing um, experience for people to, to be in and to be living. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I think that um, the first two to three weeks, while we were really desperately trying to keep everybody protected and also maintain supply of our products, um, was really challenging. Combining the two was really challenging. We we ended up just making a lot of tough choices about packs. So, you know, um, unfortunately. We are an independent, smaller business than a lot of the bigger brands out there. And, you know, um, we struggled to obtain, let's just say, you know, an adequate supply of some of the materials that we really needed um, to continue making the product in the short term. So we had to make some choices. For example, our hand wash, which was in a kind of 300 mil bottle with a pump, we switched just straight away to 400 mil and we didn't pass on any price increase to the customer um, okay. just to make it accessible. Um, so, and and that, that really comes back to our kind of vision, which is it has to be natural, ethical, accessible and high quality. And, and that's what we have to keep doing, even in these difficult times. And if it's a choice that we absolutely can't make without compromising on one of those things, um, then, you know, we won't make it. That's incredible. Brilliant. Um, uh, so what for the future what's next for faith in nature oh i mean i think for me it's going to be our biggest year in terms of i mean i the momentum of the the business is is incredible i mean i have to say i think you know we've made good choices we've been in a good place um uh and i think that you know this year it's going to be all about you know, just getting our, our name more out there. I mean, we haven't, we do a lot of amazing things and we need to make them visible. We need to make them seen. So I think that um, I'm really excited about this year. Um, I think more people will see us and I think that um, we'll be able to serve more needs like bigger products. So we're looking at bulk products much more now in the pipeline. Um, we're also looking at broadening out our proposition. So you know, we're in predominantly in wash right now, um, but it would be great for us to, to broaden that more into body care. Um, there's a younger audience that are really in tune with what we're doing. So, um, you know, a younger, more kind of ethical eco audience, I suppose you would call them, but they're really in tune with the choices we're making. And so it would be great to serve them with the products that they're asking us for. And what they tend to ask us for is just bigger bulk products that can refills, you know, is, is a fantastic um, offering and, and also just broaden it. So, you know, body care and skincare and, and all that kind of stuff and revamping all of that and making it available. Um, 
so I think it's going to be a really a really big year for us it's really exciting I hope you'll see much more of us <laughs> oh brilliant we hope so too yeah. so we normally ask our guests to set us a challenge to do with sustainability um at the end of each podcast episode so I don't know if you've had time to think about it or if you want to come up with something on the spot but um what would you like to challenge us this week uh, it's actually a really relevant thing because on our social platforms at the moment, so we're on most social platforms, bar Snapchat, which I still, I'm not sure how we work on that, but um, we, we, we're kind of week by week thinking of different um, activities that we could do with our, you know, using our products and obviously using the packaging, reusing the packaging um, mm-hmm. in different ways. Uh, and so I would like to propose a challenge, which is, um, how many different ways can you use a five litre bottle or a larger bottle? Um, there are many, many different things that you can do with it. Obviously it's plastic. So the more that you can use it, um, you know, plant pots, for example, is one idea or a birdhouse is another one that I'll be doing with my daughter this weekend. Um, but any different ways that you can use our larger bottles or any kind of larger bottle that you have um, just to kind of, create maybe new life in that product and um, i would love to know okay great you idea. Took my idea i was thinking of a plant pot with mine i was like what should i do <laughs> yeah 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 i mean it, it, there's lots of different i mean the great thing the great thing actually about plastic itself is it's, it's incredibly durable yes so, you know you can use it for lots of different things after you've finished actually using the product inside it um it's you know it's 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 a good thing in terms of, um, you know, housing plants or animals or anything like that. So yeah, definitely. I would, I would challenge you to using your plastic bottles differently. Oh, amazing. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much. If we wanted to find you, where, where could we find you on social media? You said you were everywhere except for Snapchat. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Snapchat, I'm still getting my head around after all these years, but, um, we um we're on instagram um you can find us on facebook and tiktok is a new one for us that we're actually really oh yeah we're really enjoying that um it's just it's a really nice way of i mean incredibly engaging with some really amazing ethical people um you know and people that love the product so we're using tiktok a lot more um but yeah instagram is kind of it's um it's refreshed quite frequently in the week because we've got quite a lot going on. So yeah, it gives you a good insight into the brand, the business. Amazing. And it's faith in nature underscore UK, right? Yeah, that's right. Amazing. Cool. And you can find us um, at sustainably influence on Instagram. And yeah, this was an incredible episode and really, it's just so interesting. Um, thank, you. thank you for coming on and yeah, we'll speak to you all soon. Thank you guys. Bye.